All right, we're going to come back together. Coming back, bringing it back. <clears throat> Bringing it back. I don't know. I don't always do this, but I'd love to hear some. Who are some that you heard and you were like, oh, yeah. Yes. Haven't seen it, but sounds that sounds like a bad villain. Okay, great. What? Cersei Lannister. May she rest not in peace. Who did do that to Bambi's mom? I don't even know. They don't even tell you. That is a secret villain. We don't even know. We can't even track them down. Oh, my. Oh. It, it probably won't happen because I don't know where it is. Take, okay. okay. All right. And I'm not a Marvel guru. I want to just give my credit to Anik okay. uh, because she is. But this one makes me sound like I really got it together. Okay, so Iron Man. Because I think that ultimately he's a villain. It's the ego. It's the... No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a safe space. The seat is right there. Preach, preach on it. Don't let okay. him stop you, Way. It preach on like it. It was the narcissism. Mm. And I think the ultimate thing is with other villains, we know they are, they own that they are bad. Like they, they're going to do bad things. But Iron Man presents himself Ooh. always as the hero. A word. It's a word. And is never upfront with his shadiness. He, he makes the problem. His father also made a lot of problems. And then they also try to save the world in the end and become the hero. And that is a true villain. That is a true villain. That's manipulative. All right. It's yeah. narcissism. Make some noise for Way. Thank you. That's thank you. something. As a codependent who is charmed by Iron Man, she's on point. She's saying something. She's saying something. Well, if that, that'll preach. That's going right into my... <laughs> That's incredible. Um, that is kind of perfect for where I'm going, so thank you, Tony Stark. Um, do you all ever have a villain that played their role so bad that you see them outside of it and you still don't like them? Yes, that's how the, uh, y'all remember Diary of a Mad Black Woman? And then the, if I see that man, like, in, and he's doing something nice, he's like, you know, giving to a charity or something, I'm like, boo, two thumbs down. Um, all right, well, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because there's just a lot of people I don't like. And I, <laughs> I don't feel great about that, and I'm just trying to figure out what to do with that. So um, there have historically always been people who are just unliked, and here is a story about some of them. Uh, we're going straight back to the Bible for this one. One day, Jesus, you ever heard of him? Uh, was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee uh, and Judea, from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick, right? So Jesus is doing great. Some men came, oh, this is not the right passage, is it? I'm going to read. <laughs> 
This is also great. Uh, Jesus, spoiler, ends up healing this man, so we can <laughs> rest easy. So we're actually supposed to be in 27, 27 to 32. Luke 5, 27. To, oh, we started at 17. That's okay. Well, I'm going to skip to 27. Just follow along with my voice. Okay. So Jesus healed that man, everybody. Uh, after this, um, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Okay. H&R Block in the wild. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the righteous, but the... I have not come... I was like, wait, what? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, you got all these people, no one likes them, Jesus is eating with them, this is a theme, okay? Um, Jesus is eating with all these tax collectors, people are mad, and then he says those haunting words, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, I have not come for the righteous, but for the sinners. Which is just again and again and again, the message of Jesus is this, what I have is for everyone, the compassion, the healing, the transformation, the wholeness, it is for everyone. It is for the paralyzed man, it is for the woman caught in adultery, it is for the leopard, it is for the tax collectors, okay, who still in our time are the most hated, okay? They have had a bad, 2,000-year bad run. Um, but that's what Jesus says over and over and over again. This is for everyone, this is for every single person in the world, and we know that. And we talk about this in New Abbey, and we talk about it a lot. And sometimes it's, we, I'll talk about my experience. I have had to embrace that message as a way of understanding my own worthiness in the story. And now I'm getting to this place where I'm like, but what does that mean for them? What does that mean for the people I, li I literally don't like? <laughs> the people that if I saw Jesus sitting at a table, I'd be like, um, no. <laughs> You're supposed to be with us. What are you doing with them, right? And whoever's at that table, you already pictured it in your mind. Of the people that you'd be like, Jesus should not be with them. And so what do we do with this? Compassion is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. Healing and transformation is for everyone. Um, and some people are hard to find that for. Because we're humans, and we've been hurt. We keep getting hurt, and we hurt. So what do we do? So there's this part of me that sometimes feels <clears throat> this adverse reaction to wanting to have compassion or forgiveness for someone. And some of it, I think, is tied to this, like, very antiquated, like, old-school evangelical thing, an idea that I was taught about forgiveness and compassion, that that equals being back in relationship with someone, that that equals me going to them, that that equals their bad behavior allowing to continue, that that takes out and cancels out all accountability, you guys heard these messages? That forgiveness is just being like, you hit me on one side of my face, hit me on another. Which, by the way, we're going to have to do a whole thing in that passage. Not today. It was already, I'm already going fast. Okay, so, uh, but circle back to that one. 
But we've had these ideas of forgiveness and compassion that say, if you have compassion for someone or if you forgive someone or if you believe that the healing and the wholeness of God is for them, then they can have accountability. And then you have to do that at the sacrifice of yourself. It's people saying to someone like Tanya, you know, ultimate forgiveness wouldn't be you having a a healthy life and finding a church and finding wholeness. Real forgiveness would be walking back to that church and bringing them flowers or something absolutely insane like that. But we've all heard those messages. And so there's a part of me sometimes that when I'm hurt or I see someone who is hurting people or someone who has hurt me, the access for compassion feels it's hard to get to because I'm like, if I have compassion for them, what does that mean for their accountability? What does that mean for their life? Does that mean they just get to keep on going? And so it's been good for me to hardwire and rewire and re-understand this thing in a way that I'm like, okay, I think compassion, unlimited. Relationship with me, limited. Those two things can exist. There can be people out there in the world who I'm like, I can find it in my heart to know that Jesus' message and transformation and wholeness is for you. It's there for you. I'm not going to bring it, (laughs) but it is for you, right? So let me tell you a story about this week. So there was a man in my life. First problem. (laughs) Um, Just kidding. (laughs) So there was... (laughs) But there was this man in my life, um, and his voice and healing from things that he has said and, and messages and ideas he's put in my head are things that have been super hurtful. This has been a healing journey. This man has caused me pain. This man has called me, caused me trauma. This man is someone I do not like. I do not appreciate. I do not respect. I do not lay in bed at night and hope all these good things happen to him. And so... I recently found out something not that good did happen from his own accord, right? He made some decisions, gonna reap the consequences. So I'm like, (laughs) right? (laughs) And so I'm talking to Corey, and I'm like, Corey, guess what? (laughs) And I tell him, Corey's like, oh, it hurts my heart a little. I'm like, boo, Corey, no, (laughs) what? What do you mean that hurts your heart a little? We don't like this man, right? We have this whole moment where I'm like, oh my God. Sometimes when I hear the message and the words of Jesus or I see things that Jesus did, there's still this little evangelical kid in me that's like, I'm supposed to be that. I have to be all that Jesus was. I have to do everything that Jesus did. I can access Jesus. And it was in that moment that I realized, no, no, we get to be Jesus. We get to do this together. There is someone in that man's life who is going to bring compassion to him and might be able to bring healing into all the ways that he's been traumatized, which is why he put trauma on. And it's not me. It doesn't have to be me. It gets to be someone. I get to be in relationship with someone like Corey that's like, oh, I kind of felt that. I'm feeling for him. And I'm like, good, great. Love that for you. Go feel that for him. Because I still get to work on myself. I don't know why sometimes we take these spiritual things or these Jesus things and we make them so not human. We are real people. Relationships and the people we surround ourselves, they have to have conditions. They have to have boundaries or else we're going to continue to put ourselves in harmful situations. And at the same time, not but, and we can have compassion and remember that this message is for everyone. And the way it's going to get to everyone is not by us becoming some kind of supernatural being that is not possible for a human. It's going to be by us, together, by a community of believers, 
I think it's wild that there are some people that I can sit with and have coffee with that are 1,000% the villain in someone else's story. 1,000%. And I get to sit there and I get to have compassion for the ways they're telling me that they have been hurt. I get to have compassion for the ways they realize what I did was wrong. I blew up my life. I hurt these people. I get to sit with them as I point them towards what I hope could be healing and transformation and wholeness and therapy and spiritual direction and 12-step or wherever they need to go. I can do that so that person doesn't have to do that. Does that make sense? So when we think about church and when I think about the body of Christ, Jesus' message being for everyone doesn't mean that you need to put it all on your back and every single person who's ever hurt you need to go up to them and do all these things. It means, no, we get to do this together. That having compassion, forgiveness for the people in our life, say, oh, gosh, I hope you get that. I'm not going to be the one to bring it. My prayer for you is just that someone does. And we get to continue on in our own lives, having compassion for different people that are, it's less personal, it doesn't hurt us. Does that make sense? I've been just wrestling with this a lot because I'm like, I just had so many ideas of how I should and shouldn't feel as a Christian. Like I shouldn't not like people or I should be able to harness something for everyone or should I put myself back in the situation? Should I call that man and be like, oh, I'm sorry, you're having a tough, what? And I don't know what that voice is. I'm like, stop, that is not healthy. But what is good is that I have friends and I have people in my life that I'm like, oh, that's what it looks like to have compassion for someone. That's what it looks like to take this thing of Jesus and say it's for everyone, but it's not my mission to bring it. I was on this um, <laughs> podcast recently, and they were, like, um, talking about missions trips. Okay? Anyone? You don't have to, you don't have to raise your hand, but um, I'm like, who at 19 sent me to, like, build a school having no upper body strength, no construction experience, like, no, never swung a hammer? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to serve Jesus in this way. Um, <laughs> a lot of mistakes were made. I look back, and I'm like, I'm sorry to this. To everyone. I'm sorry to everyone. Uh, but thank you, Grandma, for sending me money. Okay, it's all confusing. So, um, but one of the things I'm saying and one of the things I've really been working through is, like, I do think mission is important. <clears throat> I do think finding that purpose, I do think that attaching ourselves to the words and the message of Jesus and finding a way to tangibly live that out is extremely important. And one of the things that is really important to me is that we find the ways and do it that make sense for who we are. Someone really does have the skills to build a school somewhere, and a shout out to you. Um, but for some of us, it takes a while to find and understand what our mission and who our mission and what our ministry is, and we continue to try to put it in this box of like, well, here's what I think I should feel as a Christian. Here are the people I should reach out to. Great, if you could talk to the women in adultery, but you don't like tax collectors, baby, do that. And hope that someone in our community is talking to the tax collectors. Does this make sense? We don't all have to pick up the cross of Jesus and say, I'm going to single-handedly do everything. That is the point of this community. That is a gift of community. You pick some up, you pick some up. You get a mission, you get a mission, you get a mission. Wow, dream unlocked. Um, <clears throat> so this morning, that's a conversation I want to have and to start and to open. So to know that we can have unlimited compassion and forgiveness, but limited relationships. So people are going to be in our lives 
then we can hope that other people are going to be in the lives of the people in our stories, that we can find mission, that it doesn't all rest on us to be everything that Jesus was, that's insane and impossible. But as we experience transformation, how do we pass it on in the ways that make sense for our lives? Who are the people that we are inviting at the table that other people look around and say, that's weird. And you say, no, but these are the people that I can have around the table. People that I can't, I hope they get invited to a table somewhere. And together we get to do this thing. We have been talking so much lately, New Abbey, about community and church and why we still do this. And one of the reasons I believe so strongly why we still do this is because we can't do it without one another. It's that this message won't get to everyone if I do it by myself, if you do it by yourself. And the beauty of getting in this room is not only for the good things of, okay, you've done foster care, oh, I'll talk to you, or you need help with this. Those are the beautiful things too. And the flip side of that is too, the people that I can't hold compassion for always, someone in this room can. And that is so beautiful to me and I'm so grateful for that. So with that in mind, you're gonna grab the same three or four people around you and you are going to answer this question. Who, what, how, who would you like to have more compassion for? Enjoy.